and four. Just a brief review on the, the chapter so far. We're only down to about verse six of what we'll start, but the review of verse one is that God says he has controversy with Israel. You can already see the distance of this controversy because he calls them the inhabitants of the land and not his people. Normally he would use the title of his people or his beloved or his chosen or he's called, but he calls them the inhabitants of the land. So you can already see there's a distance there. He says the reasons are because they have no truth. They have no mercy. They have no knowledge of God. Because if they have knowledge of God, they would have some mercy because they would emulate him and then they would have truth because God is truth and points us to truth. Um, he says you can see the ramifications uh, because of this lack of understanding, lack of not knowing God, lack of mercy, and the lack of truth in their behavior. He says that they're swearing in verse 2. Their culture gets marked by that, that they're killers. They have no respect for life. That they're thieves. They have no respect there. God's law is to help prevent these things, to give us a good society and a godly society that emulates him. He says you can tell that he's not involved because they don't know him. Because they commit adultery, let alone the, the rapidity of the crimes, you know, the blood touches blood, or even some have said that might mean that it's family. Family will steal from family, you know, in that way. It's like it's bad. Verse 3 says that it's so bad that even the animals suffer, uh, the fish and the beasts, you know, because of their sin. It's part of what God puts on them. Verse 4 says that they are so bad that they strive with the priest, you know, some of them, and the office that should be respected. They don't respect it. They stumble about as people. You know, they don't have a clear path you know, because they've corrupted it, so they stumble around. And now we come to one of the more famous verses from Hosea, Hosea 4, verse 6. <clears throat> My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. There's a lot in this verse. Um, the most famous part is the first half there. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Uh, they thought they knew. And that's the problem. Uh, there's a truism in our modern day society, or I guess a modern day proverb. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. They thought they knew. Oh, we have the basics of this. You know, so surely we've got it mastered. Uh, we see this played out every day. We see it used um, by those in power and other places to manipulate, steer things in the way that they want it to go. We see that our colleges are producing it on a grand scale to the point where it's like, who would send you? I mean, really, you got to like question you know, going to a secular college unless you're going for a set thing, uh, training in a profession. They have a lot of emotion, they, they instill that, a lot of rage, a lot of indignation, a lot of groupthink, and a little knowledge, and not much logic or facts to back the rage. Like if you went back a few years ago to the killing of Michael Brown, uh, we might not remember the name, but you remember Ferguson, Missouri. The impression was this innocent youth was killed, you know, it starts all these riots that were going on. You find out the kid's 18, uh, legally an adult. He was as large as two men, and that he was bull rushing an officer and trying to grab his gun when it went off and killed him. But we don't get that narrative. We get the, oh, it's white men, you know, police, brutality, shooting that, you know, little knowledge. They just give you what they want. They dole out what you, you know, most people don't read past the first paragraph, you know, and so that's what they count on. Riots ensue. 
And that's followed by the George Floyd incident in May of 2020. We learned uh, just this month that uh, some things that got released that uh, um, it's not as they said. You know, uh, most that everybody knew is that they saw an image of an officer, you know, kneeling on him, and that he died. You know, the world burns. You know, that they built burnt businesses, towns, cities, pseudo countries set up within our country. You know, declared its own borders. You know, Chaz or Chad, they're going to be. And Derek Chavon, the officer, is convicted of murder and sentenced to 22 and a half years. At the autopsy came out that. And it was not allowed in court that he died of a fentanyl overdose, well, some other things. And so the body cam evidence from the officer wearing it was also not allowed, said, I ate too many drugs, you know, that, as, he, as he came out. You know, but that's not the narrative that we get. It's police brutality and all these other things and riots, again, with little knowledge and limited info. And then they begin to threaten the police. Is that all these guys better do time or we're going to make it worse, you know. And so the, the threat and the public opinion comes upon them. And so justice goes out the window appeasement of the masses happens, let alone we have our today right now with the pro-Palestinian movement, you know, I saw a guy and he was like at a college campus where these colleges, you know, enough that Congress, uh, they held a vote today, you know, that they need to crack down on these colleges when they're anti-Semitism that they're promoting at these schools of, of knowledge. And so they had this big pro-Palestinian rally that's going on, and this guy went around, he's like, oh, yeah, you're backing Palestinians, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, here, you know, will you sign this petition that you're pro-Palestine? And they're like, yeah, sure. He goes, oh, i got to read you this disclaimer first to make sure you understand what you're, you're signing. And they're like, okay. And he goes, now you understand by doing this, you're, 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 you're saying that you agree with them killing homosexuals, homosexual, homosexuals, that you're against homosexuality, that you're for beheading babies, that you want to make sure that bodies can be mutilated after they've been killed, and that uh, you can kill abortionists and all these other things. And people are like, no, morally, I can't sign any of that. We're like, wait a minute. Before you had that information, you were going to sign it. And you're here at this rally, you know, waving your flag around. But once you get some information about who they really are and what they stand for, you don't want to have it. You know, they didn't have any knowledge. From the river to the sea, you know, Palestine will be free. Well, from the river to the sea, there's a thing called Israel that's in there. So they're saying, they're calling for the annihilation of Israel. One thing they put in a pretty poem, and most people say, well, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, but you're saying wipe out a whole nation of people who've been in the land long before um, well, Islam was even thought up by Muhammad, by generations. And so it's their land, it was called Judea for a reason, because that's where they're from. Um, the Roman gave, Romans gave it the, the, the name Palestine because they thought, oh, we hate the Jews, and so we'll name it after their enemies. And so they named it after that, and so they're not occupying anything. They're occupying their, their, their homeland. Um, there's more we can get into than that, but that's just something current. A little knowledge... You know, lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. And that's just world events. What about knowledge about God? I think that's what the main point is here. What about knowledge of God in the world today? You think the school system that we have today represents God in a true and factual way that he is presented in the way they ought to be treated? No, you're all smiling. No. We know it. You know, it's biased, right? It's, there's, a, there's a bias that goes on. If he's mentioned at all, if he is, you know, it's like, you're going to learn about you know, two or three bad things that were done in Christ's name, you know, that don't represent him. Well, surely in the higher education, surely colleges give God a fair shake, right? No, yeah, that's, no, not at all. Or how about History Channel? They do a fair, and you know, history and discovery, you know, surely they do a, a fair job of reporting on who God knew it is. No, I think most of you, 
if you're like me, we, we'd be like, oh, there's going to be an interesting show. I'll turn in and watch it. Yeah. You're within there five minutes of their experts and your blood's boiling, saying this is all misrepresentative. You don't have a true Christian on the board, and you're and you're slandering God at every point in this. You know, this is like makes you mad. I'm taking notes, and I'm like, I don't know why I bother watching it. About Time Magazine, you know, they really think the magazine's doing a good job representing God. You know, they, well, they declared he was dead in the 60s, <laughs> let alone everything else. Or how about movies and television? Is God portrayed right through movies and television? This is where the masses get all their information. Books? No. So you think, well, where do most people get their information about God from? Okay, we're going to exclude the media here. It would probably be anything that they do have that might be a positive probably comes from family, right? It's like whatever their mom or dad or grandma or grandpa told them. Maybe the Church, you know, if they darkened the door. VBS, maybe, you know, they went to that one week when they were eight years old. You know, they went to vacation Bible school. They might remember uh, a few things from that, you know, that they have. And that's what they're going to base their whole life on. So if you go to, or, or maybe it's the time they went to Christmas service or Easter service. You know, we call those people priesters, you know, because they come on Christmas and Easter. And, you know, that's the only time they're going to come all year. Uh, that's two hours out of 8,760 hours. And so they've got a good, balanced information about who God is and what's going on from those two what about today's church? Yeah. Uh, the old God. Man, he's mean. <laughs> he kills. He is horrible. But then now we have Jesus, and he loves everybody. And he's all about love, and what you're doing is okay, because he loves you. You don't need to change anything. You love you. That's just as detrimental and a lack of knowledge about who God is. Yeah. That's how we combat it by reading the Jesus word. Jesus started his ministry with repent. Why? <laughs> if I don't need to change anything, why he started that way? What message is that? You know, I think kids know more about Santa Claus than they know anything about God. You know, it's like, you know, tell you where he lives, a good suit, and all that people working for you. So they have a little knowledge. And a little knowledge I was trying to think that I've ever gleaned from someone that I talked to, you know, that didn't know anything, was that, well, they think there's good works and there's bad works. So they know that there's things that are judged. They know there's maybe the devil, and they also know that there's angels, and so there's workers on both sides. They knew about Jesus, a lot of times they at least mention him. Um, maybe you should be kind, do good, uh, pray to God when you're in trouble. Something they might, you know, but, but wait a minute, there's televangelists, so surely through televangelists they get a good picture. Well, <laughs> not all of them, but there are good ones. I mean, there are good Bible shows that are out there, you know, that, that you can watch, you know, and they have them. On, you know, and we can get them to watch those, and so some are great, some are not, you know, as we say, you know, they more of a joke. So, and it's hard if somebody has a bad picture in their mind, it's hard to change that picture, isn't it? I mean, all of us have talked to somebody and we've tried to convey who Christ is, or what salvation is, or what church is about to them, and it's hard to get past the middle block of something that they already had formed in their mind. Uh, it's hard to do that. Um, that's been laid there by the media over countless hours or by school or whatever else, or just we'll call it the world. So that, that all fights against us. And here's a quote that I heard a while ago. And uh, one that I heard and I wrote down and I went and tracked it down to make sure I was getting it right. I thought it was true. There is a principle which is a bar against all information. And so I know it's harder to hear it than it is to read it. So there's a roadblock to learning, let's say. So there's something that stops people from learning. Uh, the quote goes, continues, goes, it's a proof against all arguments. And so this principle is something that they use against any argument you're going to bring. It stops them all. <clears throat> this principle does not 
fail to keep man in everlasting ignorance. This principle that everybody generally applies to themselves keeps man in ignorance. And the principle is contempt prior to investigation. So if someone has a preconceived notion before they investigate something, um, that stops them from learning. It stops them from gaining information. It stops them from taking in the, taking in the details. Having an opinion before you look into something stops you from gaining knowledge, stops you from uh, learning things you know, and expanding. And so uh, it's basically being biased. If you have a bias, <clears throat> just because you have it, you know, before you examine the topic or the person or the case or whatever else, you know, it, it puts you in a bad light and you're never going to learn anything if you don't get past what that is. And so uh, the Bible has a recommendation for that, but I was going to give a couple of these biases that we might have and because they're called cognitive biases that <laughs> most people have to some extent. There's 50. I'm not going to read all. I picked a few. Jerry picked a few. So um, false consensus. Well, everyone thinks like that. Is that true? Oh, yeah, we can go to room right now and I can pick any topic. We probably have a varying degree on the idea. And so, no, you know, so that's kind of a, a bias that we might have where everybody thinks like I do or everybody else thinks like that. And so it kind of paints how you feel. Why not investigate? Ask them, well, what do you think about that? You know, do you have any religious beliefs? That's one of the good ways you can witness. It's like, oh, or uh, you can always do like uh, Ray Comfort mentioned, you know, we hear people blasting a lot go over. It's like, oh, is this a church meeting? You know, and then be able to, uh, you know, ask about what's your thoughts on God then? Or how about, um, a just world hypothesis. Most people believe that the world is just and fair and that authority does what's right. That ain't true. Well, <laughs> there is evil in the world, and evil usually gets, if it gets power, it shows itself to be evil. You know, that's why I remember reading, uh, oh, there used to be something in the weekend newspapers, and it was like, you know how there's like Ann Landers, there was another one that was, uh, asked this girl was a brainiac, I forget what her name, but he asked this smart girl something, and they're like, how do you tell good from evil? And she's like, simple, give it power. <laughs> you give it, give it power and you see what it does with it. You know, we can see that in the world today. You give it power, you can watch somebody be evil with it. So yeah, the just world about it. If you think like everybody's going to judge things right and do it all, you are not being honest with yourself. You know, you have no knowledge. Now you are biased and you're limiting yourself from learning unless you investigate who they are and what they are doing. There's the bandwagon effect. Well, it's popular, so we must have joked with it. You know, I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. But the majority usually get it wrong. You know, the majority cried out, crucify him, crucify him. You know, so we don't want to just go with the majority. Je Jesus warns about that, right? Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. You know, so we need to make sure we investigate, not just jump on a bad one, bandwagon. That group thing, again, kind of goes with that. You know, that oh, I'll just go with everybody else and say I'll conform within because I want to minimize conflict in my life. We should stand for things that are right and true and honest and decent. You know, and still do that. Let's, let's, let's do that. There's the Dunning-Kruger effect, which means uh, the less you know, the more confident you are about something. And the more you know about something, the less confident you are. And, and so what we need to do is, is we need to be honest and investigate. I'm going to, there's a couple others here, but, but um, anchoring. The first piece of information you're introduced to becomes what you judge everything else on. It might be bad, it might be wrong. Newspapers retract and redact articles all the time. Maybe a week later, maybe a month later, maybe somewhere else. But you, know, you don't see that on page seven, you know, two weeks later, and you're like, oh, that wasn't true. Mars rock, remember the Mars rock back in the 90s? None of that was true. They found it in Antarctic, you know, they come down to find out more investigate. That wasn't from Mars. You know, 
It was, it was a darn good shot because they said a meteor hit Mars and that rock flew off and then it hit Earth. I'm like, that's a trick shot there, you know, for any kind of pool cue shooter. Yeah, but you know, a month later, nah, that's not true, but it got them the funding where they needed the funding, you know, to continue the Mars exploration. Um, here's one we gotta watch out for. Automation bias is a newer one. Well, we think spell check's always right. Well, apparently that's how you do it. That's how it goes, and they must have spelled their name wrong. And however else it's going there grammarly, it's gonna tell you to throw a comma in here, there, and everywhere else. Well, we need to be on guard to that because we live in the day and age where AI is trying to put all kinds of information and we're going to trust it just because it comes from the computer or the Google bar tells us that? No, we need to test and examine and see. Blind spot bias. You know, there's sometimes we have biases that we don't know about. We're not aware. <laughs> we always see them in somebody else. Jesus told the story about the guy with a beam in his eye, you know, right? You know, and he's worried about the dude with a little, little speck there. So we need to make sure. The Bible says test all things. Examine all things. Hold fast to that which is true. It's 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, 21, approve all things. We're to test and examine this, not just take it. Uh, I remember thinking, I had a bias against Brussels sprouts and asparagus and broccoli. Oh, you know, you watch every show, every kid in every show, oh, broccoli. It's like, well, I'm gonna, you know, Brady's don't like broccoli. I don't like broccoli. I don't want to have that. And then I tried it and like broccoli, but cheese is wonderful. It's like asparagus, one of the best things. Brussels sprouts are great. You still want, you want to be in the house when they're being cooked. You don't want to walk into that. You know, it's like, it's in it. But there's, there's a lot of things. It's like, wow, these are great. And broccoli, I like it raw. I like it cooked. I like it all kinds of ways. But I hated it before I tried it. That's what the content prior to investigation. You know, I had a bias against it. And, and if I never would have tried it, I never would have really known. And so um, that's why the Bible says we're to test, prove all things, examine all things. So fast is true. We want to be learning, ever learning. We want to come to knowledge. People think they know about God, and they've never investigated him. They think they've seen the evidence. They haven't seen the evidence. Turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we'll start with verse 5. we got to watch this for our day and age especially, because... Verse 1 tells us that this is talking about the last days. And the last days, perilous times shall come. And he gives us a big list of things, but I want to give it all up because that's the subject of my podcast. Um, <laughs> verse 5 says, They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof from such turn away. So there's people out there that think they know about godliness, or they think they know about Christianity, but it's just a form. There's no substance to it. Uh, verse 5, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captivity silly women laden with sins, Led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They're not, they seem teachable, but they're not. Well, I already know that. You know, so they don't, they quit listening after you start trying to tell them to instruct them. You know, I already understand. Well, I don't want to know that. They want something new. You have itching ears, you know, the Bible tells us about. You know, so we need to have our ears open. We need to be willing to learn. Maybe I'm wrong. I need to examine the scriptures and see what we are. We need to be discerning. That's a word I think Christians. I think we do mention it, and we need to remember to continue to have that. I need to discern this and be slow to hear and, and, and quick to listen and, and make sure that we understand something and investigate. We need to be teachable, not just fighting for fighting's sake. God didn't call us to win an argument. He called us to win people. You know, we have to watch that. Like, oh, I know that one. So, so you won an argument, and, and now you've lost their soul because you, the way you did it. We need to make sure we're right. Truth can be debated. And we should. We should be trying to do it in a loving way. God can withstand any examination or investigation. So put him on trial with people. 
Let's look at it together. Let's study it together. Let's show this thing. You be teachable and learnable. And, 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 and I think they might be as well. So uh, a phrase I've often said, I don't know if it's a quote by anybody other than me, but it's like, a little science makes you an atheist, but a lot of science can make you a Christian. You know, because it seems like if you know a little bit about something, a, a lot of people like turn their mind and they shut off God. It sure seems like evolution until they investigate it. Like, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I think there's a creator. Evidence can be overwhelming. Like, look at verse 8 of uh, 2 Timothy 3. It says, Now as Janaz and Jamberez withstood Moses, as the two magicians who worked for Pharaoh, so we learn their names from the New Testament, as Janaz and Jamberez withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. These are the high leaders that Pharaoh would call in. He's telling me his God is good and miraculous and he does this. He threw down his staff and it made a snake. I'm like, ah, oh, we can do that. You know, they, they copied most things until the end their boils are on too too much that they can't come before him and they finally tell him like this is God leave him alone but it's too late verse 9 but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest that means made known unto all men as theirs also was theirs was made manifest when they were collapsed in the sea after the, they got in part of it and let Israel go it becomes obvious that they were wrong and God was right so God makes it clear and obvious but you don't want to wait until it's too late until the sea's crashing in on you you're like oh made a mistake we need to make sure that we are teachable learnable. Truth is understandable. And truth is exposed. You'll be found out if you're right or wrong. So we want to make sure that we are students ever learning. I, I knew an old lady who was like, I learned everything I need to know in Sunday school. So I don't really need to be like, you learned everything you need to know in Sunday school. You have a Sunday school God and you don't want to grow from that. That, that is making yourself a spiritual vision on purpose. You know, to <coughs> yourself food and, and growth from that. So it's a shameful thing. Brian? Uh, Hosea 4. When you first came here, you said, I'm going to start with the basics. And we're going to start there and we're going to build. And there were people that walked away. We already know that stuff. We don't need, we need something different. We need emotions. We need different things. And you said, no, we need to start here so that we all understand what God's word says. And I can't see any problem with that. <laughs> you listen to that message? <laughs> no, I'm not just here for it. <laughs> no, I'm no, yep, that was my point. I just want to make sure we'll lay the groundwork. Know where we are, where we're starting from, and build from that. You know, we have to start with that, right? The foundation has to be laid. So just trying to build upon that. Yeah. Um, uh, verse 6, Hosea 4. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's what we need to preach, right? We need to teach it. We need to proclaim it. We need to give it away. We need to get it out there. We need to publish it. We need to put it out there. Our Jerusalem, our Samaria, or the Samaria out there, the uttermost parts of the earth, we need to make sure we do it. Verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. As thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. But thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law, uh, the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. It's like, I, I tried. There's an old saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. They lived in Israel. They had it all right there, but it didn't mean they, you know, it might have been in their head, but they didn't understand it. Israel was kind of supposed to be a, a nation of priests. Yes, you had the Levites, but as a whole, they were the ones who knew God, you know, that they could be the intercessors for the world. Like, tell us about your God. They forfeited that. 
and they ran from him and they ran to idols. They forfeited that, and it's upon the church now. Now it's our job to be the one. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about the God of the Bible, the one who loves you, the one who unites all this together. That's what we're to do. We're to do the job that Israel was supposed to be doing in that way. He's not forsaken them. He's going to come back to them, but right now he's counting on us. And so he says, oh, specifically, forget one of the areas I said I'd bless you in, and I'll forget your children. So uh, your next generation won't have it either. Verse 7. And as they were increased, so they that sinned against me, therefore uh, will I change their glory into shame. As they increased, the more they sinned. Basically, they had more kids, the more they sinned. It happened with me on July 6th, uh, 1965. Another sinner was added to this world. That's what he said. He was you're not teaching them. So sin's just increasing. You're multiplying more of you. Godless people who have no knowledge, no fear, no knowledge of God, no truth. And then you instill that in your children. And now they are going to instill that in their children. So it increases and grows. But praise God that he takes repentance. Praise God that he's a God of second chances. And you come to him to give you a fresh start. And then he ends that with saying, Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Change their glory into shame. Think about their glory. Their glory was the Shekinah glory of God. This was the fire that led them out of Egypt, led them through the wilderness, the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire by night. I've seen artist renditions of it. I don't know what it would be like to live in that, to look and see. There it goes down to the Holy of Holies. There's God's Shekinah glory. It goes up into heaven. to go all the way up into space at night. You know how far it's shooting go. You lay there at night and you're going to bed thinking, I'm safe. Behold, the kind of glory with us. It's right there. In the daytime, it was a pillar of cloud, and it made a cloud over them that protected them against the sun in this the desert. You know, it, it would guard them. It was a place of shade, a place of comfort, keep them from being burned. It makes me wonder how many other nations in the world at that time or any time could you walk into and witness the supernatural on display like that? Oh, what's that fire that's going up into the sky? That's the kind of glory of God that shows he's with us. When it moves, we move. We travel with them. We do these things. You can't, right? You couldn't. Never has it been like that before. It was a glory unto them. The God over there showed himself to be that I'll be your God. And that sense, I'll be your king. I'll lead you and I'll guide you. And so you would think the people that would see them would come in and say, who are you? Who is that? What is, who is your God? Tell us about him. And that's what they were supposed to say. Let me tell you about Jehovah and what he's done for us. That departed. Ichabod, the Spirit of the Lord, has departed from this place and left. Now, the question they get asked is <laughs> Hey, didn't you guys used to have a pillar of fire? Where'd that go? Hey, it's gone. So now you have shame. Now you have anger replaced with that glory. And you have more sin because of where he's gone. So well, we'll just leave and live however we want. So he says, I'll do that. I'll change your glory into shame. Shame because it's gone. It's departed. And it left slowly, you know, because it leaves, it leaves the, the Holy of Holy when it goes. It goes and stands at the door of the temple and blocks it for a while. And then it goes from there and it sends the, 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 the outer gate. And then finally just left away. So God was kind of like, I'm really going to leave. I'm really going to leave unless you repent. And they were like, it didn't change. So he left. He, he, he's like the mom that says, I want to count to three. 
It checks against the three. Should just do all the fractions. We'll teach you fractions. Two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Two, <laughs> so, so it's like, no, it actually gets the three. And then the, the spanking comes. God, like, I will leave. And he did. And he did. Um, verse eight. They eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity. Now they don't hunger after God. They hunger after sin. They eat up sin. They feed off one another's sin. I think this is also uh, through some later verses too. This is the priests because as people sin and they're like, you know, yeah, but you know, we are Jewish, so now I need to do a sin and sacrifice. So you go off of the sacrifice. So the priest partook in that sacrifice, and so the more people sin, the richer the priest were. You know, well, they got more sacrifices. They got more food. They had more meat. They had more. Th you know, they had it all. So they're kind of like, oh, why should we preach in our? We're living pretty good. All these people being sinful. There's some churches that way that they don't want you to have a secure salvation because if they keep you like, I don't know, I might lose it, that keeps you coming back, you know, and keeps you desperate. Uh, priestcraft is gone. You don't have it until you have it with him. It's once and for all. I trust him to do the saving. I trust him to do the keeping. Verse 9. And there shall be, and there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredoms, and they shall not be they shall not be increased, because they have left off to take to take the heed of the lords, and those are not listening. Verse eleven: Whoredom and wine and new wine take away their heart. He says, "You turn from me. You'll, I'll put you in a place of want. You'll eat, but it'll never be enough. You'll always be hungry." Says, so "I'll hold back the population." I'll make it where, hey, you're going around whoring. There won't be any fruit of it. There won't be any blessing. There won't be no bundle of joy afterwards. Uh, our nation goes so far to kill close to a million babies a year. We have inflation that makes it to where it's like, we might have food on the shelf, but you can't buy as much. You know, you just get the Walmart 50 bucks and get you, I remember seeing a picture of it. The 60s, it was like $50 for the grocery. This lady, like, had two carts. You know, it's like now you're like, I got one bag from Walmart. You know what I'm saying? It didn't take much, you know, it doesn't go as far as it used to. Part of that's a judgment on the nation. I'll make your dollar not go as much, go as far. Verse 12, he says, <laughs> Well, I don't get that too far. Verse 11, Hordom and wine, and new wine shall take away the heart. So they turn to vice. They can't turn to God for comfort, so they turn to vice for comfort. Instead of God, they turn to sex and alcohol. That's our culture. It's what it promotes, right? That's what we sell in the world. And yet we're so foolish, and we're so, have a, we prove verse 6 so true, we have a lack of knowledge that my people be destroyed, that we don't even see these as judgment. We disguise it. We make it comfortable. We make it acceptable to the world. Say, because uh, uh, we're, if we call it for what it is and say it for what it is and learn about it for what it is, we might learn something. We might gain some knowledge. We might repent from our wicked ways and turn from it. Let's be called sin, sin. But no, we don't. We call it a right, a privilege, freedom, freedom of expression, freedom of love, love, love. You know, freedom of love, what you want, do what you're going to do. Freedom of desires. Let's just look at one. He, he talks about wine here a couple times, especially there. Let's talk about alcoholism. We, we don't say it's a problem. We, don't say, we call it a disease, right? It's a disease. It's the only disease contracted by the act of will. 
in the city. It's the only disease that's habit-forming. It's the only disease that comes in a bottle. It's the only disease that promotes crime, brutalizes others, contributes to rape and to murder. <coughs> contributes, the only disease that contributes to hundreds of thousands of auto accidents a year. It's the only disease sold by license. It's the only disease that has a government agency over it, the ATF. It's the only disease you can buy in stores like Walmart, CVS, Meyer, Kroger, Target. We shop at Target. Walgreens, gas stations, restaurants, bars, ball games, concerts, amusement <coughs> parks. The only disease taxed by the government. Tell me our society is not brainwashed. Uh, is it a problem? Sure. We offer help for it? Yeah. That helps to say that they all be point of the Christ. So yeah, they manipulate how we think. They put it all down. We have a lack of knowledge. We cover it up. We put it in a fancy bowl. Lest we get our wisdom and learn something and come to him. Let's say turn off mainstream media. You don't need it. Be free. Seek knowledge. Seek God. Be, be one who pursues it. Test all things. Examine all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast to the truth. Pursue him. Because we want to be his people. He goes, my people, you're my people. Verse 6 again. My, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let's have knowledge. Let's learn. Let's grow from it. Let's take instruction. Let's, when you're wrong, you're wrong. When you learn something new, I learn something new. I love to learn something new. That's one of the things that excites me about eternity. That we have a guy who is unsearchable and his ways are past finding out. We have the ultimate source that we'll go to, the well we'll go to, and ever learn something new. Learn something new. Been here a million years. Learn something new. Learn something new about him, how mighty, how wonderful, how, how fantastic. I'm still learning new things about our world. Stuff that you see and you're like, that's not real. Yes, it's real. <laughs> God is wonderfully creative in how he makes all these things. So, so we'll stop there. I don't want to keep this too late. We want to have some time for a business meeting. But we'll pick up with verse 12 about who they turn to for information. I think you'll find that interesting as we get into that next week. But, uh, Hosea, I told you at the outset, he's talking about us. So many different ways. Um, we've got two things, and um, 